Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and a whole bunch of you guys. Part three of our locker room conversation, Alex. What do we get into to wrap up uh, our all-time longest locker room? And I, I would say an appropriately lengthy one, given that we're talking about the Knicks being back in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. Yeah, it certainly was long. It was not without its technical issues, but that meant that we got to get into so many different discussions. We talk in this episode about whether Trey Young or Julius Randle is the best player in this series. If the Knicks should try to make Trey Young beat them, I, you know, meaning just leave it up to him to be the guy to, to uh, you know, score all the points and do everything and try to defend everybody else well on the floor. We talk, have a pretty big discussion about which team has the brighter future between the Knicks and the Hawks. That was, that was pretty robust. And finally, in the same vein of that kind of discussion, we talk about some of the young players on the Hawks that when this Hawks team inevitably reaches a point where they can't pay every single one of these guys, who maybe we would like the Knicks to target as a potential guy down the line to bring onto the team. So all that's coming up in our final locker room chat for this week next. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster once again. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And this is our third and final uh, part of our locker room conversation. So without further ado, enjoy. If we talk about playoff experience, I feel like Knicks have more players on their team that have, that have um playoff experience versus the Hawks. And if you talk about coaching, I'll also probably give it to Tibbs, right? So then it comes to which superstar is going to step up and it will come to Trey or Randall. And I feel like in the playoffs, Randall's game translates a lot better than Trey Young because um, if you if you remember when the Knicks played the Hawks, I mean the um, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie was cooking them, but in the in the fourth quarter, they were blitzing Kyrie and he had to give up the ball. And the same with Curry. So I'm I'm thinking when it comes down to it, if they're able to get the ball of um out of Trey's hands, they probably have a better shot. I I I'm picking the series to go seven, but I think it's just I you know I think the Knicks will edge it. Yeah, I think I think the only the the only area I, I push back a little is the I, I think your your ability to double a player, and I, I get the argument that because Randall's bigger, he can he can hold on to the ball for a little bit longer and, and see over the defense and scope stuff out. But Trey's like 
one of the five or six best passers on, on planet Earth. I, I think where Trey will get into trouble is, and this was a big issue for him going back to his time at Oklahoma, is, is he, he kind of has a little bit of the Kobe thing, right, where, where he wants to be the hero. The difference between Trey and Steph to some extent is, and, and Trey and LeBron is Steph and LeBron, they just want to make the right basketball play. Like, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I'm, I'm sure you all remember, like 10 years ago, um, even, even against the Pacers, but especially when LeBron was on the Cavs, I remember there'd be all those, those post-game uh, breakdowns of yep. games that like Cleveland lost or, or that Miami lost. And you hear the Stephen A's of the world saying like, man, LeBron just doesn't want to be Jordan. How He doesn't want to be Kobe. How is he passing the ball in this situation? I'm like, yeah, the dude was wide open. He might have missed, but it was a better shot than LeBron taking like a turnaround fadeaway over two or three defenders. And, and Steph is exactly the same way. Like he'll, he'll move the ball if he doesn't. He's not going to force it up because he's the best shooter ever. Trey falls a little bit into that hero ball mentality and a little bit into I, I, I want the game in my hands. And, and if I'm passing, it's going to be because I broke down the defense, drew a defender, and people are going to see I got an assist. Or at least that, that's always been my perception of Trey, but then you also you look at the statistics and he's top three in the NBA in hockey assists. So that's clearly an area he's gotten better. And I think the difference between pressuring Trey like that and pressuring Kyrie like that when the Knicks were playing them and pressuring Steph like that this season is, and this sounds weird to say, talking about the Hawks versus the Warriors and the Nets, but unlike the Warriors this year and unlike the Nets on that night where Harden and Katie were out, the Hawks have guys who can make you pay if, if you double Trey Young, if he throws it to Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich can bang a three or he's a really good passer. He can make the next pass, whether that's a lob to Capella or, or moving it on to the corner to Kevin Herter or, or Lou Williams or DeAndre Hunter. They, they have guys who can work in secondary action and, and either hit a shot or, or make the next pass and keep the ball moving. And that's where Atlanta has gotten really, really good and really, really hard to guard of late. It's because they have dudes who can leverage the situation when you double Trey. I'm not saying never double him. I'm saying to some extent, I would prefer to keep one guy on him and say, yeah, you know what, man, go one-on-one, try and bait a foul, try and pretty footer, try and force up a floater over Nerland's Noel jumping 12 feet in the air um, to win the game versus Bogdanovich or Hunter getting an open three or Capella getting a lob. Um, that, that's just sort of my initial take on it, but I'm curious because I really, I, I kind of think it's all in Trey's head as well as he plays. And from a talent perspective, I, I think offensively Rand- Randall's a much, much better defender, but offensively Trey's every bit, the talent Randall is, I, I would argue Trey as incredible as Randall's been this year is, is maybe even has a little bit of a higher ceiling as an offensive player. But to your point, Rand- Randall's psychology is such this season where more often than not, he's been making the right play. But he, even with Randall, and Alex, I'll let you speak on this, we, we've seen late-game situations where he'll force it up a, a little bit and force the issue a little bit when he's, when he's getting hot and when he's feeling good. So I think, I think it'll be a very fascinating dynamic on both ends to see where those two guys are at mentally and what kind of decisions they make in big situations. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, uh, I, I've pretty good amount of faith in in Randall to make the right read I do think there's maybe you know in late game situations in the playoffs here he is very trusting of his teammates you know sometimes he goes a little hero ball ish uh but a lot of times I find that you know he he's he's pretty unselfish with trying to get his teammates involved um and you know we see that out of Rose too if Rose has it in his hands 
like uh and rj to a degree although i'd say actually rj is probably the one that i would most expect like if he has the ball in his hands late in the game he's gonna shoot it and try to win the game um you know not to say that randall hasn't taken those kind of shots too but with randall for whatever reason it always just seems like the design plays that they make for him are just garbage uh you know it's just like they essentially don't put him in a play they essentially just are like let's find a way to get him the ball and then he'll just like figure it out and Randall can do that. It's just not ideal. You want to at least try to free him up a little bit to make life a little bit easier on him. Um, so I, I guess we'll see as far as how late game execution goes in the playoffs here too, but it'll be intriguing. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me. I resent the implication there, Theragun. I'm maybe not elite, but mediocre. Um, just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. That's my dream. I always want to have things in the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. I was lucky enough, uh, uh, more so my girlfriend was nice enough to buy me Theragun for my birthday this April, and I have been using it obsessively ever since. It's it's great post a workout, post a basketball game, post a long bike ride. I'm a very tall person, and I have horrible posture, so I constantly have like back soreness and pain, and I can honestly say Theragun makes it all feel better. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Uh, Jerry, do you have any, anything else to add before we uh, before we keep pushing along here? Yeah, I think um, you guys also mentioned that um, the Hawks, I think Gavin did. the. I, I think the Knicks have a much brighter future coming up than the Hawks. Reason being... I mean, like, this draft, maybe they could trade up and try to find that future point guard. But the Hawks, they've kind of maximized almost all their salary cap, especially if they decide to sign Collins. If they sign him, they don't have a lot of um, room to maneuver, whereas the Knicks, they still have, even if they sign Randall, still have um, an ability to either trade for max player or sign a max player in free agency. So... I feel like if that should happen, that will probably propel the Knicks to, you know, top two, top three in the East. So what do you guys think? And that'll be that'll be my final comments. Yeah, it was it was I it's what I said at the end of my last answer. I think the Hawks have an easier path to being a fifty one team next year. I think if they're if they're just healthy next season, they'll win fifty games with, with Trey being another year better, with Hunter being healthy and another year better. Bogdanovich, I think, right in the middle of his prime. Capella, right in the middle of his prime. They're, they're a team that is 
has a good future, but it's very much built to win now. Um, and as I said, I think the Knicks just have a higher ceiling because I, I just don't see um, how Atlanta gets their next star. And, and to your point, if they end up re-signing Collins, their, their cap situation gets very iffy. If they lose Collins, they have enough depth because they can just plug Gallo into the starting line by power forward. But then you, you lose some athleticism on defense and you have between him and Trey, that's a lot of liabilities to be playing in crunch time. Uh, on one end of the floor, um, and the Knicks have a higher ceiling because it seems like they're going to have their shot at a star in the next year or two. The question is for the Knicks: Is it someone that they sign outright in free agency, or, or do you have to give up a lot of your a lot of your draft capital and maybe even someone like R.J. Barrett to go get Damian Lillard? So there are, I, I guess, the, the the quick way of saying it is like I'm more certain the Hawks will be good, but the Knicks are the one with the chance to be great. I, yeah, I would say, no, I'm, I'm with you, Jerry, as far as the flexibility and stuff. I think the Hawks have, you know, I think it's pretty obvious now they made the right moves to get Trey Young in the playoffs, which I think was their goal when they spent all that money this past offseason. But they've they've sort of put a cap on themselves. Like now you just, if you're the Hawks, you're now just waiting to see how good all your players can get um, because you, you've pretty much locked yourself in with this, if you want to call their core – I would, I would say it's probably, you know, it, if slash when they play or pay uh, Collins this offseason, it would be Trey, Collins, uh, Capella, Bogdanovich, and Hunter. Those are sort of like your core five guys. You know, if you want to call some of them like your star type players, I guess it's Collins and, and Trey, maybe Capella, you know, sort of is that like not a star, but, you know, like a, a high, very high-level player for his position kind of guy. Um, so, you know, it's – it's. I guess that they sort of are just banking on the fact that they have guys that are relatively young. Bogdanovich actually is not that young, despite the fact that he was just coming off his, his rookie contract. Uh, I think he's like 27 years old or something. Probably going to be like 28 next season. So he's sort of like in his prime. Uh, but you can obviously still see improvement out of Collins, out of Trey Young. Um, you can still see improvement out of Capella to some degree, although I, I think that he's more or less kind of capped himself at this point too. Um, and Hunter, obviously, you know, still has a lot of room to grow. Same same draft class as RJ. A little older, but, you know, has shown the same sort of development cr- curve so far in his first two years. Um, so I, I think that they will continue to get better, but they lack the they lack the ammunition. And I think in many ways – for whatever reason, it's just Atlanta as a city it lacks the sort of punch as a, a you know a place that has as much allure when you're a, a good player looking for a good team to go to in like a big market. They are a big market, but uh, Brad Roland from the Locked On Hawks on our show the other day even said like you know Atlanta is this big market team, you know, like, like Atlanta is a big market in the U S but they constantly are kind of treated and looked at as a small market team. Um, so I, I think that that helps the Knicks as well. That big market factor, like, Hey, come to the Knicks, you know, be part of this big revitalization, you know, this 41 win team led by Julius Randall and RJ Barrett just took over the whole city from, you know, this, this, these three guys across the river that were supposed to take over. Um, so I, I think that they, with that cap flexibility, with all those draft picks and everything else, the Knicks have a much easier path to becoming better than the Hawks. Uh, maybe with Gavin, that I guess if if absolutely nothing changed about either roster, 
Um, I would say that I think that the Hawks maybe have a brighter future, but I don't think you can discount the fact that the Knicks have that surplus of draft picks and that surplus of cap space going forward that it's been, with Leon and World Wide West and all those guys, it's basically an inevitability that at some point they're going to strike, they're going to make their big move, and they have the means to do it more so than the Hawks do at this point. So I, I have more faith in them to be better long term. But anyway, uh, I think we're going to we're going to uh, send you off. Jerry, so do you have any do you have anything else to add? Uh, just like one parting shot before you go. And uh, do you want to tell people any social media or anything before we send you down? Jerry, you there, man? Uh, maybe, maybe we lost him. But, but Jerry, really, if, if you can hear us, really, really appreciate you coming up and, and some good points. I'm going to try to be more optimistic for you. All right. Final speaker, we got Larry Hammonds. Larry, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are uh, you? I'm good. This is actually the perfect series for me to watch because I've lived in New York my whole life. And I cover the Hawks for HoopsHabit.com. So first, so first, uh, Gavin, you mentioned Trey Young trying to um, always play hero ball, and it goes all the way back to Oklahoma. Yeah, well, I was, I was you saying left that. Out, it, no, no, I understand yeah. what you were saying, but you forget, or at least you left out that Oklahoma was a horrible team that one year he was there, and everybody just keyed in on him. And he still found a way to be the first person in history to lead the nation in points and assists in the same season. Then he comes to the NBA and has one of the worst rosters around him for the first two years of his career. Then the Hawks decide this offseason, we want to magically make the playoffs and they make a bunch of moves. So he's still getting adjusted to new teammates and trusting that he actually has help outside of John Collins now. Like he... I don't think he's used to having people that can score for him. He even mentioned um, he mentioned it earlier in the season, like having to adjust and learn where they like the ball and stuff. But at the same time, I agree with you to a small extent because I see, like, especially in the fourth quarter, but it happens throughout the game, you see Trey Young not even look for his teammates. He's just dribble, 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 shoot a 30-footer. So I get that. But... He's also not used to having good teammates around him ever since he left the AAU circuit. Then um, there was the point about the cap flexibility and the brighter future, right? Um, I think both teams have an equally bright future because the Knicks, like you mentioned, have the cap flexibility, but they also have R.J. Barrett, who I believe is going to be a star in this in this league. They have Emmanuel Quickly, who I was an advocate for before he got drafted, so I know how good he's going to be for the Knicks. Obi Toppin, not so much a fan of him. But between Randall, Quickly, and RJ, they can build something great. And the Knicks front office has been smart about spending money the last couple years, so you have that cap flexibility. Now, when we talk about the Hawks, though, the Hawks don't have cap flexibility right now, right? and they have this pending John Collins contract. But at the end of this season, they have five contracts that expire at the end of this season. At the end of next season, they have another five contracts expiring, but three of them are um, team options, and one of them is a player. They actually have six contracts off the books next year, but three of them are team options, one is a player option, and the rest are just going to expire. 
And most importantly, Gallinari, his his final year of the contract is not guaranteed. He's only guaranteed five million for the third year. So when you really sit there and think about it, in two years they could actually after next season they can actually have a ton of cap space. But more realistically speaking, and more importantly, free agency is not going to be that good until 2023. And then they'll only be, as of right now, they have $26 million committed. Now, obviously, that's going to change because they're going to have to extend trade. They're most likely extend Collins. Um, Hunter, probably, Hunter will be done with his rookie deal by then. So it's going to be more than 26 that they have committed by then. But they're in good position for when free agency is expected to be great to pick up another star and add to the team. And then if Cam Reddish develops into what everyone expects of him and DeAndre Hunter stays healthy and he's able to keep developing and the Knicks have, I mean, the Hawks have an equally bright future and it's mostly because of what they actually have on the roster right now. Yeah. I don't, I I just don't know about the the cap space thing. I feel like, What's going to end up happening is, all right, so, like, let's say 20, 2023 was the year you were highlighting, right, where they only have 26. And that, you know, that's Bogdanovich has a 18, 18 million uh, option for that year. but That's including – that's a part of the 26 that's committed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So that's assuming that he picks that up. So they might even have more than that in theory, but I think that's only theoretical. I, I think that what's going to end up happening – you're gonna have to you're gonna have to extend Trey after next season, so that yeah. that's a that's a given. Or you might even extend him prior to this season. So, like, and be, with the benchmarks that he's hit, I think he can get up to the uh, the thirty percent max, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, based off. Quick question. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Do you need all NBA and an All Star to qualify for the thirty percent, or is it just one? I think it's. I think it's if you make the All Star team in the prior, the two seasons prior to the extension being inked. Uh, okay. But I, I could be wrong about that. I. It's there's a few qualifiers. I know one of them is the All NBA thing, which I don't think he's going to hit. Um, the other is the, with the All Stars. I don't think you have to hit like two of them though. I think it's just. I think it's just one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but at any rate, no matter what, I mean, he'll he'll be able to get like a 25% max. So let's say even if it's just that, that's going to be like, I don't know, $28,000 or something like that. Or sorry, $28 million, $28,000 would be a steal. Um, so you got that. <laughs> uh, you're going to have, you're going to have, uh, as we already said, John Collins. I mean, he wants to get paid, paid. Like he doesn't, he's not messing around. So but the if they want to keep him, he Sorry, the good no, go thing ahead. is that he doesn't have any of those benchmarks that we were talking about, so he doesn't qualify for anything more than the max, which is That's... about what, like twenty five right now for him, twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be like I think he can get twenty five percent on his max then if he doesn't get the benchmarks because it it takes you from twenty five percent of the cap to thirty percent of the cap I think with the rose rule. Um. So yeah, let's say he can get twenty five percent of the cap. I mean, even if they give him that, that's already you're talking about. Off that 2023 total, that's probably $60 million just between those two players that you just committed. So now all of a sudden you're at, if Bogdan accepts his his option there, you're now you at, at about 78? 86 by my count. But some, well, like, 
Yeah, I guess it depends on because uh, there's oh, yeah, also. Yeah, no, I forgot about the Onyeka Kangu. I left out the Onyeka Kangu eight million. So yeah, about eighty six. Yep. But then you also have to consider all the draft picks between now and then, uh, which is going to be what like three other draft picks in the first round, which would have some guaranteed money attached to them. Granted, that's going to be a much lower figure now that they're a good team, but that's probably another seven eight million dollars in total between those guys that they end up drafting. Uh, then you have to consider. For 2023, same situation as what we're talking about with Trey right now, where they're going to have to extend him next year. In 2022-23, they're going to probably have to extend Hunter. Because um, it's, it's just sort of become, like, if if you have a player coming off a rookie contract that's as, as good as Hunter is, you want to do well by him and extend him. But let's say they get a value contract out of him, which is like $20 million or something. Um, or, or maybe even less than that. Let's say, I don't know, $17 million, something like that. Now, I could see so him getting like OG, what OG and Anobi got from Toronto. Yeah, which was what was his final number again? I, I believe he's getting like eighteen or sixteen a year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just say conservatively he gets sixteen or seventeen. I mean, now just like napkin math, by which I mean just math in my head. You're already looking we're at looking like, at about a hundred mil. Yeah, and maybe even a little more than that. And I don't know that the cap is going to go up that exponentially like i don't know that they would be able to have a max slot at that point um granted you could do finagling if you want but it, it just depends on how committed they are to this core um granted they, they might be able to use say a hunter in a star package if they want to trade for another star i think that to me that's probably their most likely avenue to adding another like like top tier guy more so than free agency it would probably be that they they trade you know maybe package a couple of these guys like you know, if if you have an opportunity to trade for like, I don't know, like a like a Bradley Beal level player or something, and you can trade Hunter and like Reddish and I don't know, maybe Kevin Herter if you decide to give him a, a second contract, something like that. Uh, trade those three guys, you know, to kind of put you over the hump with getting a guy like a Beal and trying to take that next step, and then having like a. Uh, Trey Young, John Collins, Bradley Beal, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like, that's a pretty nasty lineup, potentially. Uh, maybe not the best defensive lineup in the whole world, but probably serviceable because Beal is – I thought Beal did pretty great on, on Tatum the other night on defense despite, you know, all the points that Tatum scored. I thought that when those two were matched up, he did about as good of a job as you could have expected. Um, so he's he's a pretty versatile dude. So yeah, I mean that there there are means to get there. I just don't know that they're they're going to have that like massive cap space available. You could say the same to a degree for the Knicks, but they're at least uh, I feel like their move is going to be twenty twenty two is sort of the Knicks cap on where they can make that like last big free agent splash before like everybody's paid and then you're kind of locked in trading for guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the for the Hawks, I just feel like they might. I mean, unless they, they want to do it this offseason and offload some of these guys that they signed this past offseason, I just don't know that they're going to be able to make that happen. Like, I feel like I feel like their window is sort of shut just based off how the, the payment schedules for all their rookie contracts are going to end up going and sort of, uh, you know, if they want to commit to those guys going forward, I think that they're going to end up eating up that cap space. Uh, that presently looks like it's more clear than I think it actually is. Oh, no, yeah, and, and that, I, I agree. And that's why I said that 
it's mostly because of what they actually have on the roster already as to why I feel like their ceiling is equally as high because, like, in an ideal scenario, everybody develops at least close to what you expect of them, right? So, Onyeka Kangu, he should be, by that time, he should be far along enough in his development where you're okay with not having Capella anymore. And he's your starter making a lot less money. DeAndre Hunter is expected to be a premier two-way player if he can stay healthy. Cam Reddish has all-star potential written all over him. So Trey Young is already an all-star. So if these young kids keep developing and they're fine and they're actually able to stay healthy, something they haven't been able to do all season, if they can take a few leaps forward in their development over the next couple of years, they're in great shape to be contenders. It's just a matter of will they be able to keep up with those super teams? Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I quite agree on the assessment of some of the guys. Like, I'm not, I'm not in on reddish really at all. Like, I just don't think he's very good, and I, I don't think he's going to end up being a very good NBA player based off what we've seen out of him so far. Um, I, but I, I do think they have a nice young core. I think they have a very, uh, like, it's sort of like what I was just saying. I think the Hawks have a very trade for a star ready roster. Um, I think they'll be able to do that at some point to your point, you know, that, that counts for something too. You know, they have more, they have more players that I feel like have some latent potential to them that they'd be willing to include in a deal, which is a valuable asset. So, yeah. um, Definitely something to keep in mind. What, 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 why are you so low on Cam Reddish, though? Um, but before you answer, I want to remind you, he was injured his entire time at Duke. He started late last year because he finally dealt with the injury and got surgery for sports on year that he tried to play through. And then he had no training camp, no preseason, no summer league. And an Achilles injury. So we haven't really got to see much of him healthy. Yeah. I mean, that would be one thing would be health because <laughs> health is a health is a, a factor. Uh, yeah. I kind of answered my own question with that one. huh? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. The other part is that in what we have been able to see of him, both at Duke and in the NBA, he just can't shoot. I mean, he, he just can't flat out. Like I, I don't trust him to develop into a good shooter at this point. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't know. I mean, I think maybe he figures out how – like, I do think his defense showed flashes at times. Uh, so I think maybe he could be a decent, like, defensive role player. Maybe he can settle into a – like a, a three-point shooting role player that has some flashes of, you know, being able to, to at least make a – you know, make some quick decision passes and stuff. But I don't know. I just – from what I've seen of him so far, which admittedly it's not like I'm watching every every Hawks game or every Cam Reddish game, but all the way back to Duke, I just remember watching him and being like, I'm not particularly impressed with this dude. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I know he had the pedigree coming out of out of uh, high school where he yeah. was, some people some people had him as the number one player over Zion and RJ, which yeah, was and crazy. Even RJ, and even RJ said that he's the best basketball player he's ever played with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. At some point, it's just got to start showing because <laughs> I feel like the flashes have been so few and far between uh, with him thus far. But maybe it'll work out for him. I don't know. I mean, it is 
he's he's 21 years old, so it's not like he's like ancient. You know, I literally I spent part of the time earlier in this this locker room talking about Obi Toppin and stuff, and and how I think that he's kind of a late bloomer, and uh, and you know will be fine developing past his age 23 season or whatever this year. So uh, we'll see with Cam Reddish, but. Uh, as long as RJ is be- turns out to be better than all those guys, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Which right now, looking pretty good. Looking, looking like a decent yeah. bet. That's my guy. I, you you see my picture. Yep. <laughs> and I'm a Duke fan, so I've been rooting for this guy for years. Yeah. Uh, I feel- you, you you've had a pretty good overlap then, like, between the between the Hawks getting Cam and and the Knicks getting uh, RJ. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like, I, I I haven't called myself a fan of any team in 16 years until yesterday because I, I grew up a Kings fan because of Jason Williams and C-Webb and those guys. And watching the Maloofs destroy everything that the franchise built, I was just like, why should I be loyal to a fan base if the, the – I mean, to an organization, if the organizations aren't loyal to the fan base. And my entire life, the Knicks have been run like a circus. But then things changed last year. They finally got rid of Steve Mills. They started making changes. Everything started looking good. You got my boy RJ, so I jumped on the Knicks train. So, and... Well, we're, we're, we're happy to have you, Larry. Um, I read a- uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'll say I only watch so much of the Hogs because I write about them. Yeah, I feel yeah, you. I yeah, I, I'm 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 down to down to keep the trade. Larry, at at you breaking up? Yeah, Gavin's breaking up. I think that's. I think that's probably our our sign to to start wrapping up anyway. Um, Larry, do you wanna do you wanna let everybody know where to find you on social media and all that stuff, where to find your work and all that? Oh yeah, you can check out my work at hoopshabit.com, a part of the fan sided network. I write about the general NBA and the Hawks. Yeah. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing some post game stuff for this series. Regardless of who wins, I'll be highlighting some things about the winning team. And my Twitter is linked in my profile on here, so make sure you follow me. I don't have that many followers. All right, cool, man. Definitely. Thanks for thanks for popping up. Thanks for uh, chatting with us. That was it's it, interesting. Interesting looking at the Hawks like that. I think uh, I'm, gonna, I'm. I'm. This series will probably make me keep a closer eye on them going forward. I think than I than I probably am. The funny thing is, I've been saying it for a while now. Like I want the Knicks to win, but I expect the Hawks to. Hmm. Yeah, I I want and expect the Knicks to win, but I do expect it to be a series. I don't think it's going to be like Knicks in five or anything like that. Um, I just think the Knicks offense is too awful to compete in the playoffs right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on the night, right? Some nights they can't yeah. miss from three. Other nights it's a, it's a real struggle. So we'll have to see what version shows up off that six-day layoff. But it's not like that doesn't affect both teams. So I guess we'll see. But, uh, Larry, thanks so much for, for popping up, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you bringing me on stage and hearing my views. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. Yeah, have, right. have a good one, Larry. All right, we, we got uh, 
one final speaker request from Jason Meredith. Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you up, but we're we're gonna we've been running for over two hours at this point, so we're gonna we'll, we'll keep it on the short end. But I want to give everyone a chance to talk who wants to. Jason, what, what's up, man? Final note sure. of the show. I, how do how do you want to end this? Um, man, I just actually joined recently, so I, I was no, gonna. No, ask- no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> a lot of pressure. I, I was gonna ask. Pressure. It's not really a good ending question, so I guess maybe I shouldn't even ask it. No, it was about the Hawks. It was about because you, you were just having a chat about the Hawks and how all of their players. And I, I actually think the Hawks, I'm a Knicks fan, by the way, not a Hawks fan. I think the Knicks are, I mean, the Hawks are actually in a good spot with all the players they signed. And I just think the situation is just that they're not, they're going to have to move them. They can't keep them all because they're not going to be able to pay them all. So, you know, eventually they're going to have to package those guys together to either get a player or they're just going to have to trade him for future draft picks, which they then package later. But my question was going to be, with that being said, you know, in the future, the Hawks might not be, might be willing to move some of the players that they have. Do, were there any players that you would want the Knicks to try to sign? Like I said, it's not really a good question to end on. No, I think it, I think it is, Jason. No, it's, it's, it's looking towards the future. I like it. I mean, yeah. Ari said it in the comments, as much as like Knicks fans seem to have this, this shared vitriol against Trey Young, I mean, man, Trey Young would be. We, we always. Well, we no, yeah, I mean, I mean, like oh. players like Herder, you know, potentially. I don't think they're going to trade Bogdanovich, but you know, Bogdanovich or obviously, um, what's his name? The the power forward doesn't really fit. Um, John Collins doesn't really fit on the Knicks, but I'm sure they're going to be looking to potentially move him in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just. I mean, I'll I'll circle back. I, I don't think it's impossible that if Atlanta doesn't win big, someone like. Young would want to come to New York just because the the earning potential for him. Yeah, they all want to come to New York, but they're not. He's not turning down one hundred and sixty million dollars to come to New York. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know because that, that, that's kind of my whole point. Is like the amount of money. Like, I mean, obviously, to some extent, like that was the whole thing with Kevin Durant. He revolutionized the NBA in that you didn't need to be in a in a, in a big market to to make a ton of money. Um, yeah, but. I don't know, man. I, I just think the ceiling in New York of like what like if you're going to take a long view on it, and if you're Trey Young and you're saying like, look, I'm going to be set financially for the rest of my life, anyways. But do I want to be like the guy who and, and maybe who, like we can we can quibble on if he's capable of this. But if you're asking, do I want to be the guy who leads the Knicks to a championship? That's my ceiling, and like how much money that's worth. How much how much is it worth to be again? I don't know if he's the personality for this. I don't know if he has the ability to do this. But how much is it worth to go be Clyde Frazier, right? That might yeah. be worth more than anything Atlanta could offer him. And we've talked about this. My, my dad actually asked me the other day. He would say, hey, if, if you just put Steph Curry on this Knicks team, would they be the favorite to win the title? And I was like, I don't know if they'd be the favorite, but I, I'd say they have, they'd have a, as good of a chance as – Yeah, we'd be, it'd be a big four in the East. <laughs> right? And no, no, I, I think they'd be better than that. I don't know. I think they would, I think they would legitimately be – like with their combination of defense and – and his shooting. I don't know if they'd be much, better than like the Bucks, but they would be there with the Bucks and the I the Knicks. I really, I think they'd be a lot. They're like five games in back of the Bucks now with Alfred Payton yeah, but that, as their point guard. Regular season, regular season is different from like you know. Maybe play. man, I, I don't know. I could, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but that, that's just my thoughts on it. My point is, you you slot in like the one thing they're really missing right now is yeah. is, is high level shooting and creation at the point guard spot and they oh get yeah I mean Trey is amazing if, we, if the Knicks had Trey Young forget it or Steph I mean but obviously yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's point. Like, any, anyway I mean e- even this year we've seen it when when like IQ is in there they play like in terms of their rating their net rating they play like one of the five to seven best teams in the league you get you get the souped up version of that in in Trey 
I mean, that that would be that would be really interesting. Yeah, I, I try not. I try to stop dreaming about. Big, I mean, I, I do dream about players we can sign this summer, but. I'm thinking more of like, you know, the potentially a Kyle Lowry or if Bradley Beal decides he finally wants to get out of Washington, you know, that could be a trade option potentially. Yeah. But, you never know. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just quickly throw out, I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, another guy who Atlanta will, will fight tooth and nail to, to keep, but I, I would love to add DeAndre Hunter as like, like when Reggie Bullock sort of ages out of that role or just as an upgrade. Yeah, he's, just have, he, like, have Bullock as the backup. Yeah, I would love Hunter. I was a big Hunter fan when he was in, in uh, Virginia. So, yeah. Yeah, I, and, and again, it, it's hard to, like, usually with these guys, like, I mean, people, not, like, it's the same thing when we talk about Zion. You're talking about five years down the road. They yeah. have a shot at someone like Hunter unless something goes really wrong there. But uh, you never yeah, know, because eventually they're going to get to a point where they're not going to be able to pay all their guys, like you guys were talking about. Like, once Trey Young's extension kicks in, they're going to have to move someone. I don't know if it'll be Hunter, but they're going to have to move you know, whether it's Herder and, and Reddish, and they're going to pretty much have to move all those other guys if they're going to pay Hunter big money at that point. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like the Hawks are not going to sign up for, like, five years of luxury tax hell. With, no, without no, no. Without so, Not yeah, unless they, they make, like, the finals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Some one of those players are going to be on the – I mean, if they're smart, they'll try to move them for a star, but you never know, so – Eventually, some of them, like I said, I think this summer they're going to try to move John Collins. I think they're going to try to sign and trade him. I don't know. They might just lose him. Who knows? Or they might sign him and then try to trade him, like, in the next in the trade deadline. Or they're going to trade Gallinari. They're going to have to trade one of those two guys. They're not going to keep both of them. They're not if you're going to give John Collins a big extension. So, who knows? Yeah. All right, um, not really Nick's talk. I mean, there was more Hawks talk than Nick's talk, but yeah. Um, hey, it's okay. That's where it went, right? You know, I mean, it's it, we are talking about the the Knicks Hawks series coming up, so know your enemy, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll just leave on this. Um, I think refereeing is going to be extremely important in this series, and might be the most important thing in the whole series. How the refs yeah. call the games, I think, is literally going to determine if the Knicks win or not. If they call them and they call all these tic tac fouls, the Knicks got no shot. If they let them get play physical. The Hawks got no shot because then Trey Young's not going to be able to take it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's definitely it, officiating is going to be key in this one, a hundred percent. So, all right, all right, uh, guys. Uh, note, yeah, Jason, thank you, thank you so much, man. Uh, any any social media or anything to to shout out? Um, I'm Jason Meredith on Twitter. I think J Mary09. I follow a lot of you guys, so and I tweet a decent amount about the Knicks, but you know. Is what it is. I'm not really looking for followers because I don't. I don't. I'm not really active. But if anyone wants to yeah. follow, sure. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're just so conditioned. Whenever we stop talking, like I have conversations on the street, and I ask people if they have anything to promote before I walk the other way. So <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's just coaching at this point. But but we really really appreciate it, Jason. Man, and, and I hope hope you join us again next time. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. All right, that's it, guys. This is uh, and it was it was warranted. Knicks make the playoffs for the first time in eight years. We're we're, we're going to go two hours, even though it's partially just because of my my tech incompetence. But thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. Uh, Dean, Matt, Ari, shout out to you guys. As far as I can tell, you were here for pretty much all of it. Everyone who joined late, really, really appreciate it. Uh, Greg, I've never seen you in here before, but hopefully we get you back next week for the full episode. And, and to everyone listening on, on the pod itself. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, next time, uh, 
depending on uh, if these episodes drop, how I think they're going to drop. Uh, next time we talk to you, we will be recapping game one of Knicks Hawks. So until then, uh, be good, well, and we'll talk to you soon.